Hello, and welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Today, we will be discussing Season 2 on our Season 2 finale, which will certainly have less space battles than the Discovery yes. finale. Your name is? My name is Ethan, and I am joined here, as always, by the inimitable... Uh, Kevin? I don't think anybody's used that word to describe me before. You're um, welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so now that some time, the dust has settled. It's been, I think it's been about a month, roughly, since um, season two came to an end. And I think it's best that we sort of dissect what our, how we feel about the season now that it's come to a close, overall. Yes, now that we can um, look back at it as a whole. Objectively, and sort of... Because it was a whole. What we... Unlike the first season, it was a whole. It told a story from beginning to end. You're saying holes? Oh, sorry. I thought you were in. No, no, W H. Um, no, no. It was a whole. It was an. It was a. But a single yes, story. I get it. So, talking about what we loved, what we hated, what we hated. well, what we disliked, what we didn't care for. Um, Would have liked to have seen more attention paid to. And. And sort of other things in between. So I guess maybe start off with what we liked. Okay. Um, I I still feel like it was a stronger season than season one. And I, I we're probably going to disagree. We're probably going to disagree here. Well, it's interesting. I yeah. tend to leap to that, saying I liked season one better. But honestly, I haven't watched season one in a while. Yeah. So it may just be in hindsight. Okay. So I will just say that the. Okay. Yeah. Thing that I missed about season one was the see I don't even know if this truly fits, but the variety of stories where you got a couple episodes on one thing, a couple episodes on another thing. But see, I, I so I guess we did get that. We there's a difference though because I feel like what you what you're describing applies more to season four of Enterprise, where they're doing a three episode arc about this and then another one about that. To me, season one of Discovery was very uneven. It was almost like they couldn't figure out what they were trying to do with the show. Wait, they did three episode arcs on Discovery? On Enterprise. Enterprise? Yeah, oh, yeah, Enterprise. Sorry, four, yeah. sorry. Um, to me, season one came off more like it was... Like it was trying to break free of whatever it was Brian Fuller wanted to do. Which... And find right. its own way, and then... Which I think it, accidentally made it good. But it couldn't really... I still feel like season one of the show couldn't... The show didn't really have a focus. It didn't really... Like, you had the Klingon stuff, which I thought, eh, because I don't really care about that stuff. And then I thought going into the Mirror Universe was was a nice change. And then they come back, and then we're back to the Klingon stuff again. And I felt like... But I felt like season one... Yeah, I just felt like it was extremely... It was very uneven. I thought it was a very uneven season. I guess it was that... That's almost what I expect from Star Trek. First that... seasons of Star Trek shows are notoriously not great, save for the original series. Well, I think what I mean is I expect, you know, we're used to the single episode wrapped up model. So I felt right. like a couple episodes on one topic, a couple on another, where it was yeah. like, here's the Klingons, here's the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. Now we've added the Mirror Universe into the regular universe, so let's deal with that. Right. And then we've got the, the Tardigrade, let's deal with that. I felt like in season one, the show kept 
resetting itself in some ways, which I know you say you kind of like, but I was I didn't think that was really. Yeah, well, I would have liked if well. the Red Angel had reset itself a little quicker. But uh, but overall, I thought this was a much more even season than season one because it was one singular story being told all throughout. And it wasn't sort of jumping from place to place. Or was it? Well, it was piling stuff on, but the, the undercurrent remained the same. Mm. Right? So... Yeah, and I think the writers um, did a good job of setting up Right. arc because it's you know we've got these signals they're all over the place they're going to lead us from right. here to there so it was right. a good for it was a good um, like uh, skeleton to build on yeah and I think for me the biggest thing that I loved about season two is the fact is the fact that um, we're on a noisy street so yeah pardon us it's a very it's the first like one of the first really nice days we have all the windows open we're on my new apartment's on a busy street busy thoroughfare as you said yeah a so. Thoroughfare. You know, you get to experience not only us, but a soundscape. A city. Somerville. Somerville, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, the the big the, the best thing about season two, I thought, was just that we had Captain Pike. And we finally got some history on a um, big-time Star Trek character. Um, and, yeah, played amazingly by Anson Mount. To me, that was the best part of season two. Anson Mount was a huge high point. It's interesting that we say we finally get some information on him where right. we got some in the films. But different. that's a different universe. Right. Yeah. But it also just wasn't very satisfying of a character. He just sort of was very in nondescript. The, in the films, no. Um, but I liked in the films that he was he served as sort of a mentor to Kirk. Right. As opposed to, I mean, this... this was different, but yeah. Which, yeah, it doesn't fully make, make sense in this timeline. But no. That's fine. No, no, no. Or unless, who knows, maybe he... Well, he can't, because Kirk doesn't know him yet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as far as episodes go, my favorite is still uh, New Eden. I still think that's the best episode of the season. And, you know, among my favorite moments is Captain Pike seeing, getting a glimpse of what his future is. And still going through with what he has to do anyway. So they turned his tragedy into an act of heroism. Which I absolutely loved. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, so gives, things, giving me a whole v- new view on the character. Absolutely. Yeah. Things I liked. Um, I liked that we got to... Well, first off, the main the thing... the big things I liked. Yeah. So the big yeah. thing that I liked was the relationship between Spock and Burnham. Yep, that too. I thought that was handled well. Mm-hmm. I don't think all the plot points were the best, but I think that yeah, they clicked as actors and yep. the characters, and they, I bought the history between them. Yeah, uh, and I bought that this was a younger Spock who hadn't um, totally got his emotions absolutely under control. Yeah, he still was harboring resentments and things. Yeah, so that was a high point. Uh, um, of course, Anson Mount was great. Yeah, and now we know. My dream will not come true, and Anson Mount will not be Batman. <laughs> it will be Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Too bad. But Yeah, they're going for a younger Batman. It means he's available now for it his makes own. Sense. It means that Anson Mount's available That's now true. for his bike spin off. Um, um, also, I like the fact that we got to meet the crew, finally. Yes. As we always commented... Yes. Oh, there's the eye lady in the background, and then the robot person. Well, you were calling it that for a long time, even when I knew her name. 
Yes. Well, her name was said in the third episode of the series. Right. But why would we learn her name when her name's just said she doesn't do anything? Right. Any of them. So right. they got you some things to do. I thought it was right. unfortunate what happened with them. But I think Star Trek is about the crew as much as it is your main characters. Yeah. And absolutely. When our crew was so limited to only Tilly, Burnham, Saru, and Culver. Stamets. Stamets. Yeah. And Culver till he disappeared. So yeah, yeah, it was kind of a little too... I wanted to see more. And we got to see more, finally. Yeah, and, you know, among other things, you know, seeing um, number one from the Enterprise, you know, since... Haven't seen her since the cage. Getting to see Talos IV again, getting to see the uh, Telosian, seeing Vina again, um, seeing the Enterprise again, all that stuff. Mm. Yeah. For the fanboy in me. Another thing that I love was this season kept us wondering. It kept us coming up, like, trying to figure out what they were doing. Who is right. the angel? Who is... Right. What's going on with control? Um, right. That was fun. I feel yeah. that I didn't love the way they all turned out, but I, it, it's fun to have that. You know, it adds that excitement each time there's a new episode. You know, right? Spinning, spinning theories. And then, ooh, what are we going to find out? Well, and this is this is new territory for um, for Star Trek. We never really did this much in the past, having to spin theories and make guesses to this degree. It's true. You would spin yeah. theories during the episode, all right? Right. So, um, but you know, with every with all of this comes some stuff that we didn't really like all that much. Yes, yeah. very much so. But I should I should preface it by saying that. These these are not these are not new observations in a way because we were kind of making these as the season was was going. So, um, yeah, I mean, but with the whole season behind us now, we're able to sort of look at it as a whole. Right. But here's right. one interesting thing that I did today, and I did go back and watch the season, by the way. So what I did is I watched the beginning of the first episode of the season. Okay. Because if you're going to do a season long arc. One would think that there would be some consistency throughout, some themes that will emerge. Yes. So, I thought it would be interesting to check out the first episode again. So, Mm -hmm. it starts off with, interestingly, it begins with this sort of grainy black and white footage from the Cassini mission to Saturn. I'd forgotten about that, too. Yes, uh, because it's very odd. Yeah. Why would they have this real satellite Cassini right and start with that particular footage I don't know it was right. interesting um, but over that mm. we have one of the um, not captain's logs more like Burnham's diaries I yeah. guess and here's how it starts um, it's an African tribe the Ka um, Umbatha mm-hmm. have have this creation story about a girl who sticks her hand into the wood ash and throws the ash into the sky and it creates the Milky Way and that she was told that there's a secret, a message, visible only to those whose hearts were open enough to receive it in the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. Once again, I feel that... Do you, I don't know, do you see anything in the season that shows that this was, like... These are the first words of the season. Was this setting up some kind of a... I mean, like, it puts me in mind of, like, you know, is that a mirror for Burnham, basically? But, um, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it's kind of doesn't yeah. fit. 
like now that now that you've seen the season, it doesn't really you don't think it really kind of matches the. Yeah, no, I didn't see anyone open enough to receive it. But at the same time, you know, you do that so early in the season, and then when the season ends, is, was anybody like, oh yeah, remember that the. Now I get it, because now they think of the thing that you just told. Like, remember the Cassini space probe footage? Now I understand why they showed that. It's like, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, I didn't give that one more thought after we saw it. I didn't either until no. I went back. Yeah. And then when I went, yeah, and I was like, oh, right, I forgot about this. Still don't know why this is here, though. Yes. And yeah. So that's something that I felt about all the opening voiceovers. Yeah. They haven't tied to any overarching theme for the season. And they rarely tie to anything in the episode. Right. So they seem very tacked on for, for very little purpose. Hmm. So that's how I want to start is the fact that the first words of the season have nothing to do with anything. You didn't find there was anything that sort of paralleled it as the season went Not on. in the episode no. or the season. Hmm. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about that some more. Right. Well, that just... So when we recap the season again, I'll have... <laughs> Well, but my big thing that I, I this illustrates is that much of the season to me felt very um, slapdash, tossed together. Yeah. With no, it had a story. Right. That the plot points that right. went throughout, but it still felt very. Well, because I think what was going on was they were. So were we, what was it? Fourteen episodes a season. 13 or 14, I think it was 14. And by the time we got to, like, season or episode, like, 8, I think, they were still throwing on new things to us. I'm just like, I'm like, okay, like, they're just, they're, they're pile, they were piling things on even well past the halfway point of the season. And I'm like, is this going to continue into next season? Like, I'm like, what is going on? You right. know, like, there was no... In, so in my mind... You know, the season begins with this sort of mystery of the Red Angel. Not even, not even, a, not even a mystery of like who is it. A mystery of what is it? Is this even a person? Is this like an, a strange alien life form? Which I was kind of hoping that's what it was going to be. Um, right. Is this yeah? Is this like some mysterious creature that we don't know about? And in my mind, and maybe this was sort of their way of trying to throw us off. Maybe they thought people would think this, but in my mind, it's like we're going to find out who the Red Angel is. In the finale. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, which... Once we realized that, it took us a couple episodes. Right. Because my theory going into it, if you remember, was that this Red Angel and these signals are going to be about a three-episode arc. Yeah. And then we're going to move on to something else. I was definitely wrong. Well... I don't know. I mean, they... Not that they weren't resolved, but the fact is that, like... So, like, for example, they get to, um, it's the episode where they have to go to Boreth, and they're like, oh, there's a fourth signal now. And I'm like, you're, oh, I'm like, it's either the fourth or the fifth, I can't remember. I'm like, you're only on the fourth or the fifth? <laughs> there's seven. What are, what are the other two? Right. Because, like, you would think, like, is, are they going to, because, you know, again, in my mind, I'm thinking, are we going to see, basically visit every single si- signal in every, you know, in every episode of the season? Right. And right. it sort of went like that. Sort of. But because then they kind of strayed off, away from it. We went to New too. Eden. It's because we were presented that these, how important these signals were in the first episode. And then we sometimes went a couple of episodes without even seeing one again. Right. It's and like, oh, yeah, the signals. And sometimes you would, the episode would be, like, kicked off by the Signal, but you kind of wouldn't even forget. Right. Like they went, so, start off, they go to New Eden. 
then after that... And by the way, in my head, I'm only going by the... Oh, no, Hiawatha. I'm going by the trailer that we saw at Comic-Con last year, which only really had footage from season, the first episode. So the trailer kind of presents right. the But don't they say right at the beginning there's seven signals? Yeah, in the first in the first episode. But there weren't seven signals until As soon as Pike came aboard Discovery, one of the first things he says as they're making their way to the bridge, he said Federation sensors have picked up and this is in the trailer. Federation sensors have picked up seven red bursts spread across thirty thousand light years. But seven. But there weren't. They didn't know there were seven until the end of the season. They right. saw the seventh. Mm-hmm. Okay, just check. Is that just right? It was the time thing, I guess. Time travel was there. I don't know. Was the result of it? But but no, that's not. That's a, I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the point is, they. That's what he said in the first episode. So okay, but yeah. it, it makes no sense, right? Right. Somebody messed up. Well, no. She. T- well, she time traveled back and set them all. She didn't set the last one until after they had gone to the... The whole ship went to the future. Because the right. last one was to let Spock know they got there safely. But they also saw it when, at the very, in the very last few minutes. Aboard the Enterprise, they saw the last, they saw the last signal. Right, so... 51,000 light years away. So he... So, okay. So, at the be, first episode, hmm. there's no way Pike would have known about the seventh signal. Because it didn't happen for months right. or something. Right. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes. I just <laughs> there weren't seven signals when he said there were. They only only seen one. Right, but he said that there were seven red bursts, he and, they showed them, and they showed them in the first episode, even though they hadn't happened yet. Right. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm not wrong them. in what he said and what he showed. It's right, just right. you know. No, I know. Yeah. Maybe we missed something. I hope. Our listener who corrects us when we miss things. Well, I mean, it was, and that's a complaint from mine for the season. It was easy. It was easy to miss something, yes. as that happened many times with me. Yes. Yeah. So, and we brought this up a few times. I said we watch this. We watch the episodes twice. Mm-hmm. We take notes. We have yeah. a podcast, and we were confused. Right. I can only imagine what. A and it could just be that my mind processes things differently or slow, more slowly. No. Uh, I don't know, but um, <laughs> that was my and I and. And again, you remember me. You remember me expressing this as we recorded throughout the season. I was beginning to get a little frustrated that I was missing things. Yes. Or because, as we mentioned several times, as we called them, the moments of exposition throughout the se- throughout the season, things were said amongst the characters, but they were said in at least the way I saw it. They were said very quickly, and I'm like, wait, slow down, what? They were said quickly, and they were said without context, and they were said out of the clear blue sky. Yeah. So someone would just walk into a room and declare, here's what's happening exactly. Right. You haven't seen us figure it out. You haven't seen us work it out. Right. You haven't seen us discuss it. I'm just walking in and telling you. Right. And everyone in the room goes, I agree. And then they move on. I think the two biggest offenders of that is control. Even though I did watch the season again. Now, Ash Tyler did mention it with Pike at the end of the previous episode. But it was still brought up in the same manner. Yes, we, we basically learned what control was the same moment we learned. But it could, but it, it also proves my point that it was easy, easy to miss something because right. I didn't I didn't remember him saying that. And so when the next episode came, when Cornwell was talking about control, I'm like I'm like, wait, what is this? Yes. And then the one you mentioned, uh, Spock. Spock's second <laughs> angel suit. Yeah. So right, we spend 
Oh, and the other one, the sentience comment, too. I we spend how many episodes exploring the mystery of the Red Angel? Right. Right. So right. we're exploring the mystery. Everybody's trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Crew's trying to figure it out. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Great television. We and, find and out. By, and by the way, up to this point, the show is still... Well, this is after the control thing, so never mind. So we find out it's Michael's mom. Yep. And we're like, okay, that's cool. We didn't see that coming. Definitely but surprised. it was said beforehand that it was Michael. Or before that. Right, because of the DNA. Yeah. But then it was her mom, so that was a cool twist. Because we set us up to expect one thing, we got something It else. was a cool twist, but at, at no point was nobody like, wait, I thought you said it was Michael. But no, they did. They said they share a certain RNA DNA sequence. Mothers and daughters share DNA so closely that it's easy to mistake them. But see, don't forget, Spock mind-melded with the Red Angel, and he mind-melded with the Red Angel that was Michael's mom. Yeah, he should have known. So he should have. <laughs> yeah. But he also lost his mind after. He did. So maybe that. That's so you think he may have forgotten. Maybe. Yeah. So uh, that mystery builds up, and it's great. And we find out, oh, this is, that's the Red Angel. All right, we know now it's the mom. And it's also established um, in between that, that with the two angels, basically, the ones that... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But nobody said anything about two angels. <laughs> right. Until Spock yes. walked into the room. Right. Everyone's seated at a table and says, clearly there are two angels. And no, we didn't say clearly. He said, he said there are two. Yes, there yeah. are two angels. It wasn't like he was making an assumption. He said yes. it as a matter of fact. Yeah, there are two angels, and it, the other one is Michael, because blah, 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 blah. And everyone says, okay, and then they move on. And then we're like, huh? Yes. We're like, wait a minute. Wait, I thought they found out angel was the mom. What? what? Right. right. And it wasn't even that he had any specific evidence. He just said, because it makes sense, because X and Y and Z. Right. So there was never anyone... And Spock did the same thing again in the finale when he suddenly realized what all of the red bursts meant. Like, why they she couldn't calculate... He was like, no, wait a minute. But it was almost like... Like, he took a minute to think about it. It's almost like he realized it. But then... But he didn't, like, say it as a theory... He said it as like, nope, this is what it is. Yes, and yeah. so and we talked. To and we, that's kind of I, you could say that's kind of Spock's character in a way. Like Vulcans do not guess, or they don't. You know, it's based on logical deduction. Right, but, but also a Vulcan doesn't assert something is definitely true. They would right. say there's a high percentage chance that X yeah. is you know, like prob- any scientist. High probability. Yes. Scientists yes. will yes. rarely yes. say it is definitively yeah. X because if there's even a slim chance, it's not. Right. So we we joked around a little bit about. Um, you know, if this if these scenes had been in another Trek series, how right. would they play out? Right. And you know, you could just see a character would walk in and I'll say, Captain, it seems that there may be a second angel. A second angel. Who could it be? Right. And then they would say, Well, I've been thinking about it and it could be blah blah blah. And then you know, they would actually have a conversation that we could follow. And then I could I you know what? I could actually understand. in my mind I can see how this would play out like say on Voyager. They're all in the conference room. They're all trying to figure this out. And then suddenly Seven of Nine speaks up and she'll be like, she'd be like a second, a second angel. And they'd all be like, what? Explain. And then, she, you know, or Tuvok would, or she, she would, she, and then they'd say explain and she would explain the whole thing. And then Tuvok would say impressive and lo- but logical or something right. like that. You or know? someone would say, is it possible there's two angels? They'd yeah. say, two angels, why? Right. And then they would explain, and then someone else would say... Because you have to have people in the cast who stand for the audience to be like, wait, 
for the confused members of the audience watching the show being like, wait, what? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I understand when there's technical things, you don't need that because it's Star Trek. So they just say a bunch of big words and we right. accept it. Right. There's no... Con- there's, in, in this case, there's no sort of discussing it. Yeah, someone they just walks of... in with new information that is, right. they're 100% certain about, even though when we think about it for a second, we realize, yeah. well, they couldn't really be 100% certain. Right. Um, it's like when Pike... Nobody was... Nobody... You're saying is nobody presents an opposing opinion. It's yes, just... and no one else has a follow-up question of any kind. Right. Um, like Pike, when he says how um, the ship, if it merges with the sphere, will lead to sentience. Yeah, that 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 bugged me. Is yeah, that to is something that to achieve sentience. Like, they would bring in Stamets to we have the science people to run it by the technical right. people. Is it possible that the sphere could? Give the ship sentience? I don't know. Let me run a calculation. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Or on another show, they would have found evidence that that actually did happen somewhere else. Yes. They and they said, like, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't allow this to happen. Yes. Or, you know, maybe like on a, on Voyager or Next Gen or DS9, it would have started to happen somewhere else. And they said, we have to stop it dead in its track so it doesn't achieve full right, sentience right. or something like that. There already, there already would have been some evidence in front of them yes. to show them, here's what's going to happen. Or here's they would what can figure happen. it out. And I would say it Correct. was a 98% chance that right. it could gain sentience. Right. Something. Se- Seven of Nine would dig into her Borg memories and be like, you know. Yes, other than just, yeah. it will gain sentience. You're totally yeah. right, Captain Pike. You AI So expert. it may not be so much that what it is. I think the wrong person said it. I think the wrong person says it, and there's no discussion. Right. And we're so used to the very deliberate, right? They're scientists, most of them, even though right. they're captives. But he says it in such a way, like, it'll gain sentience, as if to say... Everybody knows this. It's so obvious that if you find a sphere with all the information in the universe, then you put it in your ship, it's going to gain sentience. is he pointing to something where this has happened before? Right? No one's ever found a sphere in space with all that information. But the fact that, like, too much information on something achieves... You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can suddenly Maybe, give something sentience, right? We're, you know, stupid 21st century humans. We need them to break it down for us. That's what they think we are, but, you know, they make us, well, they make me feel like I'm a stupid 21st century human with the way they present some of their information. Yeah. So. Which I don't feel that, you know, mm. I guess some people's complaints in the Star Trek has a lot of techno babble, but I've always been able to follow everything. I've never watched right. a Star Trek episode and at the end felt like, wait, I don't understand what that just happened there. It's right. always pretty basic. It's always shitty when they use it as a way to get out of an episode, but... At least know. we understand it. Yeah. You know. I guess. There's, uh... Sometimes. Yeah. Right. Some sort of a... But no, it was it was moments like that. I mean, yeah, the, the achieving sentence thing, I was like, okay, but how? Yes. Yeah. So... And, just... and you, you realize you're in kind of a pickle when you realize... You're watching Star Trek, which is unbelievably fiction, and you're like, "No, I don't, I don't accept that." That's a good point, because you know, yeah, it's like, well, it's not real, right? Why is but, it that when I watch Next Generation, I never think, "Nah, that's bullshit." But it's always presented in a believable fashion. That's yes. the thing; they always present them in a believable fashion, right? Except for the rules you know, of that universe, you just accept it, right? Exactly. Even when it's a crazy like dude who walks through the universe, right, with the rainbow sweater on. We're still like, okay, yeah, this, fits, this works. I mean, look, in the in the next-gen episode when Jordy and Ensign Rowe die and they can walk through, remember that one? They can walk through walls and stuff like that? Nobody ever questioned why they weren't falling through the floor. Right. They were able to walk on the floor for some reason, but they you know, they could pass through walls. Right. Or, and they were actually able to touch consoles from time Honestly, to time. Yeah. And I'm just like, nobody ever talks about that, but that's fine. If that happened now, I wonder if I would say that. Yeah. I'm about to I don't think so. Yeah. 
the next phase, season five. Um, but that leads to one of the issues that I had was that things seem to happen abruptly without much laying the groundwork. Right. So I would have liked to have found out about control earlier, maybe seen control in action. The 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 thing about control is that up to that point in the season, there was no discernible like villain of the season. There was a mystery of the season, but there's nobody. To, there was no threat. Yes. yes. Well, the threat of the f- destruction of all sentient life. Um, by mid season, right. we found that out. By the by I don't remember. If, I don't. I don't recall if by the time they unveiled control, if that was the thing. Um, check my timeline. Here. Um. So. Uh, no, we <clears> haven't. We know. We actually we went to tell us before we found out about control. Okay. Oh, because they'd already done the time travel. The, the probe had already gone through and come back. Yes. And, right. Um, right. Which, by the way. Thank Wait, 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 wrong. Oh, Pike and Ash fly into time distortion probe. Oh, yeah, but we don't know 30. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not until after we learn about control. Which, and by the way, you know, let me just jump ahead for one second. You know, this is the inherent problem with doing a show set where, where it is. You know, an enterprise had the same issue. It will destroy all sentient life in the universe. Well, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. Yeah. Right? And I feel like in some cases it's like, are we at the point now with these shows where, like, we know, we know there's no mystery in what the outcome is going to be. The mystery is in how they actually get there. Yeah. But at the same time, that makes me think, maybe don't have the main... Threat B destroying all life and sentient. It's, all sentient I mean, it's old. It's old. It's old, right? Because we know yeah. that doesn't happen, right? So give us something, maybe a little smaller scale. Well, that was that was always my issue with the Zindi arc in season three of Enterprise. It's like, That's well, fine. I know they're not going to, I know they're not going to destroy Earth. Yeah. Right. There's no way. Yeah, it's just. But me as a viewer, like, I don't believe the stakes. They're not. They're not stakes. I, I don't. You know. I agree. So it's um. This is overall in media for me. I'm getting tired of the because nobody all does life it. will be destroyed. No, the thing is, because nobody does it. Yeah, that's the problem. Thanos. Nobody yes. does it. Thanos and did it. half, yeah. half anyway, because he aimed low. But they went. They did time travel and we fixed it. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I don't like but, those. But kind even of then, things. that's still kind of a cop out. I mean, they undid all of it. Right. Right. It's like when were the stakes? In the original series, the stakes was never, you know, all sentient life, or no, nothing ever called Earth. No, no, and like in a Star Trek film, you know, whether you're dealing with first contact, for example, when the Borg threatened to assimilate all life on Earth, how ballsy would that have been if they actually did do it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, with Borg, we get it. With um, motion picture, we get it. With almost in every movie. Four, we almost it. in every Star Trek film, almost all of them, um, Earth is threatened. Yeah, save yeah. it for the films. Yeah, that's what I said. Even in the films, I find it. So it, it, yeah, this is and this is a general thing. It's not Star Trek's fault. It's just across yeah. everything, right? And and by the way, not to leap ahead, no pun intended. That's actually one of the reasons why I think they threw the show into the future at this point. Because I think they want to do things like that, that this point in the timeline does not allow them to. 
I know why. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, if you're going to set it at a point, then write stories that fit in that point. Right. Um, um, I do want to talk about the very ending, but I, yeah, I know you have a lot. You want to talk about the I've... 70s universe of um, sitcoms and how they were able to stick to canon? Uh, <laughs> yes. So, we were having this little discussion about how somehow Mork and Mindy and... <laughs> I was like, at first I'm like, what discussion? Somehow Mork and Mindy and Happy Days were able to keep canon straight. Right. Those writers <laughs> didn't have trouble. Alright, I'm just being... But we never saw the 1970s versions of Fonzie and Richie in Unmork and Mindy, even though we could have, but we never did. Because oh they God, took place, we should have. They took place in the same universe. Oh my God, it would have been great. Right. But if they did that, then that means they can't kill off Fonzie in the final episode if they decide to do that. Did they kill him in the final episode? No, but I'm just... Oh, you know. They didn't kill all sentient life on Earth in the last episode they didn't of kill Happy all, Days? They didn't kill all <laughs> sentient life in, uh, what was it, what did it take place, Milwaukee? Yeah, no, yeah. Milwaukee. In the 1950s? Still standing. Yeah. Well, they couldn't have because they were all living by Morgan Mindy's time, so... Maybe. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that's one of those things. They decided to set this in the time period and then feel hemmed in by the by the right. canon. Which, as we've discussed, it's not... shouldn't be that hard. I, I, I feel like... In so, so, as and like I said, I rewatched season two. I've been dabbling back into season one a little bit, the short tracks, and it it disappoints me because you know, you had you had Harry Mudd. Right? Not to say that he was like an all-star character of the franchise, but like right. you had Harry Mudd, like somebody specific to the original series. He appeared once in the animated series. Almost got a spin-off series. And like in the sixties, not now. You can't so like we can't go back to him. You know, there were these Things from the original series timeline that just made that were so unique and just so much fun to look at, and now Discovery can't do that anymore. And I don't, you know, the Enterprise was there, Pike was there, and like they were doing good in the timeline that they were in. Yeah, I and think so. Just so my assumption, but the problem is, is that it all comes off as extremely. To me, again, I said this when we did our last episode of this. It all comes off as very reactionary to me to oh, what totally. the to what the haters were saying about the show. Yeah, and how you know it doesn't take place post Voyager. What the fuck? And now it takes place like way, way. They kind of like went way too far ahead, right? But <laughs> like we talked about the final scene the final few moments, which I thought were completely and totally unnecessary. Like they, they spent, they devoted all this time to answering questions that we as fans had already kind of, at least you and I anyway, and I saw some chatter online about it too, had already sort of reconciled already. Like, yes. Yeah. It's all that. It's the finale. This, we, just, we were talking about it before we began recording the spore drive. What did I say? The, this is like when we, this, the, the minor plot line with May and they go into the mycelial network in this episode and she talks about how, you know, you're harming us every time you come into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I said to you, this is like reason 588. Yes. Why the spore drive doesn't, can't be used by the time, you there know. There are so many good reasons. So many, Spock, uh, never mentioned Burnham, never mentioning Burnham. So he never much. mentioned Cybok. He never, he never mentioned, mentioned his parents. He never mentioned his parents until the they were standing right in front yes. of him. Like They were all on the, the Enterprise and he didn't mention them. All of that was there. And, like, the discovery itself. Okay, look, 
Guys, there are more than five ships in the in the entire yes. universe. Right? They say like, there were hundreds, right? Thousands, seven thousand yeah. active vessels. So there's no reason that anyone on Kirk, any of the later shows would mention. Discovery. Again, I'll say it again. I said this in the last one. Captain Kirk is not sitting at his desk scrolling through a list of starships, wondering what's going on with this. Just because, okay. Kirk, Picard, Janeway, Cisco never once mentioned the Enterprise NX-01 commanded by Captain Jonathan Hunter. Never once. Well, I'm sure some people were mad about that. Oh, at the time they were. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so Discovery would have been a ship that had this technology that, uh, you know, basically failed. We had already reconciled all of that in Season 1. Yes, and then... And, like, what was it? Season, like, Episode 4. Yeah, once they started using the Tardigrade. the Tardigrade Oh, this is why they don't use it, because you have to... Damage right. a life form. You have exactly. To and, and then what happens after that? They get flung into the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Lorca does it. Dangerous. Like, super dangerous. It's like... Yeah. Then they come back, and they and when they come back, they flung, they flung themselves like... What was it? Like six or seven months ahead. Yes. It's and like, they find out they're destroying a world. Right. With, with people in it. Which is funny. It's completely abandoned. That storyline was completely abandoned. Yeah. So that, in my mind, in our minds, was already... Reconciled. You just needed somebody to say it. Yes, but why? Well, no, excuse me. They, I, I apologize. They did say. It. Stamets said it in the finale of season one, as they're leaving Earth. He said. He said. Um, first, he said Starfleet is looking for a non-human interface for the spore drive, and then in episode one of season two, I think it was episode one when they use the spore drive to go to where the Hiawatha was. He said the spore drive has been decommissioned by Starfleet. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It was and, a technology not, they used and it failed. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, fine. That, yes. that was, as far as I was concerned, that was the official word. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. And we only ever saw Pike in one episode. He would not have mentioned any of his previous adventures. There was no reason for it. Well, and some fans online were like, well, how come, you know, but surely Starfleet captains know about it. And I was like, well, Pike didn't know about it when he came aboard. Pike didn't know what the spore drive was. Right. Remember he said, like, if, you, if you're telling me I'm going to travel across the universe on mushrooms, I have to take your word on faith. Yeah. He didn't know anything about Right. And even if they did know about it, there's no reason that in future shows they would be saying, hey, remember 10 years ago when we had that mushroom drive? Oh, that was, those were the days. But they, I think people also think that, that that by the time you get to next generation Voyager, as, it's as if it's like everybody will be able to build a spore drive no matter what. No, because once they realized the technology was too dangerous, they would have shelved it and done no further research on it. That right. was it. It was like, but like, think about I like, think they're assuming like everybody would have like anybody who's anybody. Like as soon as they get the ingredients, they can as soon as they get the, they can just build a spore drive. No, they had they had the entire scientific force of Starfleet on two ships work on it, and one of them destroyed itself. The Glen the Discovery destroyed the Glen. The Glen you're talking about. Discovery yeah, so the Glen, because of the spore drive, they, they did something to like something themselves. That, but reason number one, because yeah. that was episode three. Yeah, reason, reason number, number one. one. <laughs> yes. Right. So, the re- so it's like, it's almost like, okay, writers, just pick any one of those reasons. Yeah, you already wrote it. You, you already wrote them all. Stop. Right. And so, now here's the thing that, as I've said, now I'm not a hater. It's a plot hole. Right. Well, it's like, yeah. It's not a plot hole. It's just it was it's a plot hole that didn't need to be filled. Well, that's what I said. It's a question it with, that didn't need to be answered. It was already it was in front of us already. Sand. Um, so the it fact was in front that of us the fact that um, Kurtzman would say in interviews, hmm. 
the finale is going to fix everything. Everybody's going to be so satisfied. We're going to take care of canon. And we're going to show everything right. that we're going to show everybody why. And it's all going to make sense. Right. And then. No. What we got was so ham fisted. You said that in the other one. Yeah. Ham fisted. Um, I think you did. It's illegal to talk about it. Well, he said that this season is going to be spent, once it's over, we're synced up with canon. Okay? And I'm like, okay, look. It's not as if the original series begins tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know what that means, synced up with canon. It already was synced up with canon. That show... I'm sorry. People can chastise me all they want. That Discovery did not... Did not make any canon violations at all. Once again, I said no. it a million times in the, in the last episode. episode. It is all perceived as a canon violation yeah. strictly because these things, these events have never been mentioned before. Yeah. So in people's mind, like, I think in Trek fans' mind, everything has to be very black and white. Every character has to be aware of everything that happened. Yeah. At I think all they times. forget that because it's easy to look and maybe you, you come to it later. And there's this massive body of Star Trek. Yeah. And it's like, that's the old, that's the old Testament. That's everything. That's mm-hmm. God's word. Right. <laughs> and nothing can violate it because right. you have so much of it. But as it went along, everything that came, came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, as Star Trek went, new things were added. The original series made a million canon, like violated its own history. Yeah. You know? And they just kept adding things and it was fine. Right. Spock had a brother. It wasn't because brother. it wasn't a because in the original when you had the original series, it wasn't a it wasn't a universe yet. It was just a it was just a show. Right. It wasn't a universe until um, the Menagerie. Right. No. Agreed. Because nobody really knew about nobody knew about that episode until that point. And then that was when, the universe. Where then it finally passed. That's when it had some lore to it, and then, but again. Now look, Trick has made some canon violations over the years, but for I, I will always defend it by saying, for a fran- for a franchise that's fifty three years old, it is remarkably consistent. Yeah, and canon violations—it's a bit of a dramatic term. I know it's opinion. like they made some story decisions that didn't fully line up with past story decisions. Really, when you look at it, or like somebody you know just wasn't up on their history, or somebody just. Whatever. Well, they just decided, hey, this is going to be the best story. When you consider all the hundreds of writers that this franchise has had over the years, like, come on, guys. Yeah. You know. No, I'm sure they do keep... Don't they keep... No, they do. around who are the ones who know a lot. They do, but think about it. No, they absolutely do, but I mean, consider that the the older it gets, you know, obviously, the more difficult it's going... I would think the more difficult it would be to, you know... Yeah, and then I'm sure a decision has to be made. And, but that's but that's why you have things like Memory Alpha. I mean, yeah. Simon Pegg had said when he was writing Star Trek, when him and Doug Young were writing Star Trek Beyond, Memory Alpha was their, basically their bread and butter. They were on that all the time. Yeah. Looking for things. And then you also have to make a decision. Okay, this doesn't line up. Right. Is it worth, is this a good enough story that it's worth violating or hmm. not lining up? Or do we just tweak something a that little bit? That should be the and decision. fine. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm skeptical, because... I'm so sick of the canon conversation. I know. Like, I really, really am. But uh, the thing that makes me skeptical going forward is the fact that the writers didn't realize that they didn't have to do that. Again, the only thing I can think of is they... 
I would say that where the show is set, there's definitely literary constraints to it. There are things you can't do. You, obviously, you can't destroy Earth. No, they're going to be, you can't destroy Earth. Like, things like... And that's an extreme example. And I feel like... I, w- I would say that there are rules they have to abide by in that timeline. There are probably things they wanted to do that that point in time did not allow them to do. What those are, I don't know. But if you throw yourself so far into the future, you don't have anything. Your hands are your hands are free to do anything you want. Right. Which, which to me makes sense. But but here's the thing. And I and I'm just I'm and by the way, I'm only spinning a theory. I don't know if that's the reason yeah. why. Because with creative endeavors, I feel that sometimes if you have complete free freedom to go in any direction you want, yeah. Sometimes that's not really a good thing. Sometimes you need to have some things like right keeping you from going too far afield. I mean, again, season 2 was a step in the right direction for me in the sense of them doing some stuff that I would have wanted to see the show do. Like take season two took advantage. Season two took advantage of the time that it was set. We got to know Captain Pike, and Captain Pike in my mind ended up becoming one of the best captain, one of my favorite captains in the franchise. None of the other Trek shows, short of the original series, were in a position to do that. So they were so they were doing what I think all the Trek shows need to do best is that they take advantage of they tell a story that can only be done on that show. Yeah. And that's what Discovery did in the sense of using Captain Pike. Yes, okay. but I feel that they, what they didn't do is they didn't have, they didn't stand by their vision. Right. Because they, whatever that was. Yes, like they had a direction and they, Are you talking the vision like for the series when it began? Uh, no, I mean, even just now. So, like you said, they were in that time period. They were telling this story that hadn't been told. Hmm. And then, if it's true that it was reactionary, which it seemed very much so, instead of saying, well, we believe that this fits because of hmm. X, Y, and Z, they said, well, we'll just throw in this law that's legal and we'll jump into the future and then that'll make people happy. Yeah. That's how it, the end of it felt. To me. No, it, that's exactly how it felt. I mean, um, I do think it's interesting, and I'm sort of excited to see what the future's like. But a couple things we know—it's about going to feel future. like it's going to be like an entirely different show now. Well, not only that, yeah, not only different from Discovery, but different from anything else. Because it, it, am I not right in remembering that there is no Starfleet in when we Calypso time? We're going to Calypso time, right? Yeah. That we know of. There's no no. Didn't he say? Didn't I? Don't believe he did. I believe there was no Starfleet in yeah. existence at that time. Yeah. Where they're going at the moment to me feels like it's going to be, it's going to be similar to, um, uh, Voyager. In a way, I mean, first off, they're fifty-one thousand light years away. Voyager was seventy thousand light years away. Mm-hmm. But the big difference is that they're now in the future. Right. They have stamens, don't they? They do. So they do have the spore drive still. Well, they used up all the energy for the spore drive. They can get more, didn't they? they can, um, more. They'll get more if the plot requires them to do. <laughs> if the plot requires them they to. want to, they'll get more. Right. Yeah. So, like, and it's not clear to me, and it's not clear to anybody, like, is this for the season, or is this where the show is going to stay? Right, so... Because you have to assume if Giorgio is going to be on that Section 31 show, which is taking place in the 23rd century... She, at the very least, has to get back somehow. Well, so I heard did hear an interesting interview with uh, Kurtzman, and 
he was asked about Section 31. Are they going to pass the Picard show along the way? Well, here's the thing. You know? He was asked about the Section 31 show, and he said um, the writers are working on Season 3 and uh, Section 31 simultaneously. Hmm. But they don't have a pilot, and they have not had an order for the season yet. So no. they don't even know that it's happening. It's been officially announced by CBS, but they never, they haven't... They haven't given an order, which means they haven't, like, said, okay, right. produce this many episodes, like, go for it. Right. I mean, Kurtzman has also said that that, that sh- it's very... The ver- the pos- it's very possible. I can't even talk. It's very possible that that show may not even be seen until Discovery ends, which is who knows when. Yeah. 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 Um... So I don't know. I mean, is it does this, does Discovery come back? You know, does Discovery come back and undo that last few minutes? All I know is the whole season right. is going to be them trying to get back. Right? If we learned anything, I don't know. This I mean, season, and that's that's the other thing. Like, is but they're not going to get. They they might get back, but the ship can't get back. I, that's the thing. I have no idea. Yeah, like, is know. that is that? And that's just a, that's just a guess. I mean, are we gonna? Is that going to be their sort of, um, is that going to be the plot for season three? Like, okay, they're in the future, but are they, because at no point, Michael was dead set on going and staying, right? Right, and everybody was going to go with her. Right. Even Spock. Well, because Michael's going to be tethered to, I think she's going to be tethered to that point in time, but um, like her mother was. But yeah, like, it's not, we don't know, like, okay, well, now they're in the future, now is it going to be like a Voyager thing where they're going to be trying to get home? Or are they just now fessed up with the idea of staying there, you know? Like, well, yeah, but they, well, they have to leave the ship there because that's how you keep it away from you. Control, who's dead and also who's with them. <laughs> doesn't matter. And, and with, they brought with and them with the carcass. By the way. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So like, yeah, maybe the thing is, all right, here we go. Hold on. It's they, actually... Yeah. A metaphor for global warming. Because we can go into the future mm. and we'll bring the things that will destroy, but we don't care because it's after we won't be on the Earth anymore in the galaxy. So you can destroy all sentient life as long as we're dead first. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Okay, go um, ahead. So, yeah, it's, we don't know if, you know, that's going to be the, like, when they get to the future, we don't, we don't know what their task is when they get there, because we don't know what's going on with the season. That's true. So, we don't know what the dilemma of the season is going to be. All we know is the setting is different. Right. Right. But at the same time, I also have to ask myself, you're nearly a thousand years in the future. Surely, technology has advanced to the point where you could actually just, where time travel is easy. And they well, could travel back in time. But where are all the t- people traveling back in time to the... They may be, and you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but at least you can probably yeah. get your ship fixed. And find whatever you need to power the Well, and, like, and this is the other thing. It's like, when they get to the future, I mean, are they still going to operate like a Starfleet crew? Are they still going to wear Starfleet uniforms? Like, you know, little things like that. Who knows if that uh, clothing replicator can make anything else. Right. So... Can you say blue jeans... Again, technology on Trek works the way the plot requires them to. So if they need them, it will. They will get them. So it's. I mean, it's going to be a while until we have any indication. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. The other thing I we were talking about before was just 
the fact that we felt that this season had a lot of abandoned storylines. Mm. So we had May. Yeah, when I rewatch the season, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> because and, so much has happened. And I I mean, if I were rewatching the whole season, I think I would fast forward through the May parts. Yeah. Well, I think... I feel they don't go anywhere, they don't leave anywhere. That whole... I mean, that whole subplot was just a mechanism to get Culver back. Right. That was a lot of work. Well, actually, so one, one you did not mention was um, Arian. Oh my god, this is the one that drove me the most crazy. Yeah. Because I've always liked Arian. Just the look of the character was fantastic. I mm-hmm. wanted to know Arian. Right. You know, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. And we got to know Arian. At the beginning of the episode, and she died at the end, mm-hmm. which I feel is the worst trope of television, where it's, you know, we bring on a new character to have them die. Yeah. And I felt incredibly disappointed by that. Because here's a cool character. Who we should have gotten to know, who's been there since the beginning. Yes. And, you know, season one didn't really provide much opportunities for Arian, but um, given the focus on the secondary bridge crew... You should have done more with her beginning of beginning yeah. of the season, and it was like, even cool when we were looking at her memories and we saw um, Detmer and Tilly and Michael and yeah. Ariam, yeah, um, you know, hanging out, just having like a right. fun time out, joking around. That's the stuff we never, never, never see. It would have been cool if they had. Because I remember when we recorded when we were doing this podcast, uh, we were talking about Ariam in the first season. Because you didn't even know what Arium was. And I was telling him, like, oh, she's... Well, no one never told us. Part android, that sort of thing. And then you were like, so why is everybody so impressed with Data? Yeah, because I thought she was completely constructed. Right, right. And who knows? But, maybe. But what they should have done was, that it would have been nice if they had some Data-like moments. Like, remember, like, in early episodes of Next Gen, when people who were just meeting Data for the first time were, like, impressed with him? Yes. Yeah, why wouldn't anybody be like, whoa, what is this? Because the thing is, with Data, like, Data was new, a new concept, like, even for the viewers, but, like, it was also, for some reason, new in the 24th century when we've already had cybernetic yeah. augmentation prior to right. Data. Yeah. But I guess, like, with Data, it's like, well, he's a, he's the first full, you know, cybernetic yeah. being. But nobody would know from looking at Arium. I mean, Arium looks more completely cybernetic than Data did. Right. Because she doesn't, yeah, at least it. Well, the thing is, but, but, but that's why Data is impressive. Like, because he doesn't, I think because he doesn't really, aside from the pale white skin, doesn't look like an android. Yeah. Right? And that's, I think, why I think everybody is so kind of impressed. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be impressed with the lady who almost died and now she looks like a Borg. Yeah. Clean Borg. Which, by the way, I'm so relieved that, that it never ended up being that. I, I get the relief, but as I said, no. what was the point of leaving all those obvious Borg clues? I know. It, all signs pointed to it, but I was just like, oh, So God, why no. bother? Yeah. That was clearly intentional. I don't know. The show co-runner Michelle Paradise actually addressed that, and she was like, we're, she's like, honestly, it was never even, it was like the furthest thing from our minds. She's like, we realize the uh, coincidences, but like when, fuck out of when, here. when Leyland was being, like, quote unquote, assimilated. Yeah, those little things like I'm like they're they're Borg nanoprobes. Those look like Borg nanoprobes. Wait, That's so when like, he said resistance is futile with just different words, that was a coincidence. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I thought you were gonna write something down. No, I'm just scribbling because I don't want to engage in. <laughs> That's not true. That's a lie. All right. Well, you take it up with her. 
That's a lie. You write to Michelle. I don't believe that. You write to Michelle Paradise. I don't want to say that, that Michelle Paradise, I'm sure you're a lovely woman. I'm sure you meant what you said, but I don't think it jives with reality or something. But it's wh- just, when no, he, no, yeah. no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. I'm only going by what you said on one of the on I know, the ready room. But I'm going by what we all saw with our own eyes. I I understand. I mean, I, I, I as much looks said like it. a Borg. He doesn't look like a Borg. Ariam doesn't look like a Borg. No, more than you and I look like a Borg. She Ariam does not look anything like a Borg. She looked more like a Borg than you and I. Can we agree? A Borg that? is <laughs> no, no. A Borg has has skin. It's all fucked up skin. Has things it's poking it's out of it. Wires everywhere. It's very white. So. So she's white? That's the only reason? No, she's a clean Borg. But I would think a clean Borg would be in the future <laughs> as opposed to a filthy Borg, which is 24th century. Well, I don't know. She looked like a Borg if they took their So the time. Borg started off clean and got dirty? No, she was just the model and then they couldn't figure it out right because they were dumb. Well, that's a, that's a theory. Right. But they planted all these seeds. Right. Completely planted all the seeds. Well, as I said, when Leyland was getting, um, and I'm using air quotes there, assimilated, those looked like Borg nanoprobes. Yes. Right? So I get it. Yes. And, and then there were times like when you saw his skin cracking a little bit, so it did almost like the assimilation. said... I know. It was not resistance as futile. It was a version. It was like struggle... Is pointless. It's pointless. Something like which, that. if you look up synonyms for struggle and pointless, yes. you get resistance and futile. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. If that's true, right, that it was a coincidence, mm-hmm. then I have even less faith. I hate to say this, but I have even less faith in the the direction of the show. So, I mean, but what upsets you more—the fact that even if it, but it still didn't turn out to be the board, though. No, but I mean the fact that. People that are writing a Star Trek show could write characters that close, write a whole situation that close to the Borg and not even realize it. But it's still not the Borg in the end, though. Right, but what I'm saying... So, like, what difference does it make? It would be like... So it's like, if you're going to do the Borg, do it. Don't tease us and then not. Right, but all I'm saying is that... Doesn't that... Doesn't that strike you as troubling? That No, because I didn't want it to be the Borg at all. Yeah, no, but that's not the point. The point is that they, I hate to say it this way, but they don't know Star Trek enough to realize that they're basically writing something that's almost the Borg. They didn't, they didn't even cross their mind. They're writing like, oh yeah, we'll have it be like this technology that takes over people's bodies by like injecting it with technology and then it controls their their bodies and, you know, it like what it wants to do is get more people and put more technology into them to make them part of their army and they this, have a hive this, mind. This, and yet it never crossed their mind. They, they never had a hive mind. mind. It was only one person. Control. It was, it was, it was Leyland. Control. Everything, well, everything else was a hologram. Everything was control. Right. But Leyland had... wasn't Leyland. Leyland was control. Right, but there was, no, there was nothing hive about it because there weren't any other ones. Well, there was. They took over the other guy. But he was, but he, there was no indication that he was like linked to Leland. But wasn't it in ships and in Leland at the same time? The show did not go dive into enough detail as to how far reaching this thing was. Alright, so I'll just leave right. it at the technology but hold on, that hold takes over no, no, bodies by injecting. You make a valid point about. Thank you. 
But this has also happened on other shows before as well. Tell me more. Okay. Um, there have been species seen on Voyager that are written by the same people. Yeah. Who are like cheaper versions of Klingons. What? Oh, the Kazon. They were like cheap Klingons. The Herogen behaved kind of the same way. All right. But, and then what, and like, what about, like, what was it? Um, oh, fuck, I forget where it was. It was definitely on Discovery. The whole, um, there was the, that alien that looked like uh, the thing from Star Wars. Sounded like, oh, it was on the short trek. Sounded like the thing from Star Wars. Okay. But that may have been intentional. What I mean is, if let's say those writers that wrote the thing that was just like Klingons, yeah. oh, I've got a new species, they're a warrior race, and all they care about is warfare, and they're very, like, tough, and and then you were like, oh, that's like the Klingons, and they were like, "What? wait, what? Or worse, they say, yeah, it is. Yeah, but I'd rather the have The only them... difference is they don't <laughs> look too much like the Klingons. And I'd rather they, have they... them rip it off than not know it exists, or know it connects. So... Wait, so you prefer an intentional ripoff as opposed to a... An accidental one. Yes. Because at least if it's an accidental one, then that means they don't know Star Trek. If it's intentional, at least they But she said that, though. What? She said... No, she said, we know it's like the Borg. But they didn't know when they were writing it. But... I... Alright. I guess. Okay, thank you. I guess, but... But all no, all I'm saying is this has happened before with, with Trek veterans. This has already happened before. You make a point like maybe this is the closest it's gotten, but this is not new. This has happened already. On the other shows. But this is the Borg. So what? It's not like someone saying like, Oh no, there was a character that showed up in one episode of the original series and this is kinda like that. This is the Borg. So what? It's the Borg. They're no yeah. more special than the Klingons of the Romulans. No, I just, just mean they're so well-known that to accidentally write another board... I, I, seems you know, I, see, right. I see where you're going, yeah. but right. I, don't I, like see, I don't see it as a... As a I don't see it as a, as a as big a red flag as you do. We'll agree to disagree. Yeah, that's fine. Alright, I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Arium is an early version of Data. I love Arium. Right. But what I'm saying is... took her from me. That's also a similar thing. Not an early version of... Not actually, because she was a human who they kept her alive by. Yes, but they were getting to that point. They were evolving to get it to be full-on cybernetic, where it just had to be... Something could be completely cybernetic. Yeah. As opposed to just helping. Yeah, maybe like the body. But the brain would seem to be... But you're also thinking that Arium is a board, because she has cybernetic components. Well, right, because... But is nobody allowed to have... nobody? So nobody else in Trek is allowed to have cybernetic components? No, but there's not allowed to be a villain who what they do is they take human bodies and they inject them with cybernetic components and take them over Okay, look, hold on. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go a little bit further with this and then I'll stop. Okay. Now, the, the reason... Do you know why I never believed it was a... It's not because I didn't want it to be. Yeah. Re- nothing about it short of that, was consistent with the way the Borg behaved. Okay. So, like, for example, when the probe went into the future and was sent back and, you know, was assimilated as it was and sent back, if the Borg behave the way they do, 
if the Borg of the future assembly of that had sent it back, a piece of technology from 900 years ago, they would have just completely disregarded and ignored. They wouldn't have even bothered to do it. They wouldn't have even bothered to do anything with it. They would have just left it alone. They yeah. would have ignored it entirely. But I think the theories were that this was the seed that became the Borg. The Borg already existed prior to this. According to... This yeah, was, but we have time travel involved. So they, the theory was that they were going to be sent back in time really far away. And then they would sit and evolve. No, and evolve the and Borg evolve. already existed by but, this point. But what if they sent them back, you know, 2,000 years? It was already established on Voyager that they already existed at this. They, are, they existed long before this. What would time travel? So? All right, all right. So, point taken, we have a point. We can agree to disagree, but I don't want to harp on it anymore. All I'm saying is nothing short of, like, the assimilation and nanoprobe, tech, nanoprobe-like things, nothing else... Nothing else was consistent with the way the Borg are presented okay. in the past. That's all I'm saying. All right. Just saying. So in the end, how are you feeling about uh, season two? Well, Not well, I don't think. No, oddly, I mean, it's funny. I do... I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> to season three? Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to season three. Um, season two overall, I feel like it was strange. It was enjoyable to watch it, but looking back on it, yeah, I don't think it was uh, that much of a, you know, yeah, solid. I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was resolved very well. I think it came at the expense of poking, of creating many plot holes in the end. Um, you know, specifically the uh, last two episodes, but. Um, I think it started off good, and then I was beginning to see... I was beginning to get worried about halfway in. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as they were beginning to peak, I thought, okay, now everything's going to start to come down. But then they were just they just kept climbing and climbing. And the, yeah. the phrase I want to keep using, I keep wanting to turn to, is I felt like, narratively, they bit... To me, it felt like they bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're not nitpickers about little potholes. No. But I just feel like they were so glaring. Right. The things that we had trouble with, like they destroyed, they destroyed control before they went into the future, and then went into the future anyway. But then they were do- things like that were just so glaring. But, they, but they, there was such a range of plot holes. Like it was, you know, it was like it was on all ends of the spectrum. It was that, and then something simple like Cornwell not being able to pull the lever down from the other side of the door. Like, yeah. you know, or even considering it for a minute, or or you know, the production designer. Hey, move that handle over there so it doesn't look stupid. You know how right. hard is that? Right. So um, yeah, little things like and it's and despite yes. the fact that we're dealing with something that's obviously fiction, you still you as a writer you need to make, make things that make sense and believable. And yeah. like and that well, would have been fine if the if the lever was on the other end of the room. But yes, like the easy fix, right? Um, <laughs> very easy fix. Because like I said, a little duct tape you could have stood on the other side and pulled it down. Or again, they built the whole time suit. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, and we will do a review of the um, Deep Space Nine documentary, which we've seen and yeah. liked. Quite but a one bit. of the most fascinating things about it is they had a writers' room. Oh yes, yes, where some of the key writers yeah. from Deep Space Nine were writing the fictional first, well, obviously fictional, but first episode of uh, season eight. what would be season eight. And we were all so into it. Yes, and we watched writers at work. And one of the things that I saw that made so much sense is someone would say, oh, this character could do this. And someone else would say, no, but wait, why would they do that when 
this other thing is a factor here. Right. Like, they would question each other so that they had to... They had to explain it so it made sense. Or they would say, like, no, I don't think Kara would say that. I think that's a line better suited for... Yes, yes. Yeah. So, I just feel that watching them work... And they were, by the way, doing that sort of, like, on the cuff. They day. weren't... They, but and it wasn't even, like... It wasn't even, like... I don't even think on their end it was properly planned. They do a lot... Before they get to the road, they do a lot more in a room before oh, yeah. they actually get to that point. Yeah. They yeah. just were going for it. But that's yeah. the thing is... Obviously, I have no idea what the Discovery Writers Room is like. Right. And they may treat it the same way, for all we know. But, but like, I just... I cannot These are imagine. guys... But these are... Don't forget, though. Just yeah. know one thing. What we were seeing on with the DS9 yeah. writers, they were already, like, seasoned Trek. That, like, they had... And they like, worked together for many years. Five, six seasons of DS9 yes. under their belts already. And they had all so, done other things. I know. I yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still... I just cannot imagine that if one of those writers had thrown out something with a huge plot hole, that one of the others would have said, no, 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 wait a minute, but what about this thing? And they would have worked right. it out together. And I just, I can't imagine that another writer would not right. do the same thing. And, and yeah. you know, maybe it's the culture of how you run a writer's room, or maybe there's no questioning or I something, still, I don't know. I still maintain, because I it's on one of the Enterprise extras, I think, when they're talking to Brandon Braga who was a writer on Next Gen, Voyager, and co-creator of Enterprise. Um, you know, he burned out by the time he got to Enterprise, but he was he had said that, like, you know, since Enterprise ended, he's gone on to do other things. You know, when Enterprise ended 14 years ago. And he's like, I would love it if, like, he says, I think it would be amazing if not only, like, if me and a bunch of the other writers like Ron Moore, the people we saw in the DS9 doc writing, if all of us got together, and began and wrote a new Trek series. He says, not only do we have the experience of writing Trek, but we've grown so much as writers since then. Mm. He's like, I think we could do a really amazing yeah. series. And that just got me like very excited. I was like, yeah, I would love to see something like that. Yes. You know? Right. In a way, it'd be like giving the keys back to the to the seat of the car to the seasoned driver, right? Not the, but I don't want to. I don't want to like. And I'm sure that the writers have. I don't want to hate on Discovery. No, for no, that, no. But like, and I'm sure that the. I mean, I those looked, writers we saw, they understand Trek more than you know. Right, and you know, all the writers on obviously, like like we said before, CBS did not go out and hire people off the street. They hired Correct. writers with experience and right. whatnot. Maybe they haven't gelled as a unit. Right. Or maybe it's something about the structure of how they, they break I episodes. I don't know if they've jumped. Then there's a lot of shakeup. There's been a lot of shakeup behind the scenes, like, you know, with writers and producers, you know, leaving and coming and going. So, and it was evident on the show, too. I think the way, I think it was evident the way the show kept shifting premise to as well and this and that. So, hopefully, and let's not lose sight of the fact that Deep Space Nine, as great as that show is, was not great from day one. That's a fair point. Right. So. Come along home was certainly a thing that happened. Move along home, boy. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, out of my mind. Little little thing, really quick though. That doc did open up with them reading, or it opened up, but I think they were kind of doing it a lot more along the way, reading the hate mail. Well, it opened up with singing by. Yeah. Uh, oh, they op- yeah, <laughs> by but the, them the reading them reading the hate mail. We were, yes. uh, and I've been talking to a lot of Discovery fans it was on great. Twitter. Who saw the doctor? We were laughing at that. Yes, it was like well. our haters' corner, right? Um, or like, and they were like, "Oh, we should do a whole season on Section Thirty One." We're like, "No, <laughs> yeah, we just got that." But 
Again, that doc was done. It was great to hear the hate mail because it was very similar. Like, this is not Star Trek. I don't know what this is, but it's not Star Trek. Star Trek is a ship moving in space. It's, you know, it's part of the growing pains that every single Trek show has to go through. They all, all of them have to do it. Yes. You know. My favorite was that someone said, this isn't Star Trek. This is a soap opera. I mean, look. All we get is people talking about their problems. I don't know if you know a couple screenshots from the upcoming Picard series have been released, and I've already started to see some hate on that too. Yeah, you can tell a lot about a narrative from a screenshot. And this is and this is this is a big this is Jean Luc Picard we're talking about. Here, Was it so. his black shirt that they didn't like? There were some complaints about about that, his black shirt that you can see from the shoulders. Yes, there were. They're like he's wearing very. Somebody was like he's wearing very like ugly civilian clothing. I'm like, oh my god, fuck sake, man. Like. You have no idea the context. Maybe his bathroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the show is officially called Star Trek Picard, which is I'm just, which is quite a departure from the. You know, why was it such a secret? <laughs> if that's what it was going to be called. Yeah. yeah. You know. So yeah. one one thing I did notice from the screenshot is that uh, I've never seen Patrick Stewart look so old, which would make sense. He's not been this old before, but right. he actually looked old. You know how he, he hasn't looked old. He's looked sort of the same age for a long time. Yeah, and then suddenly... Unless they're from Logan, where they sort of intentionally... I feel like that happens to people. Like, you look fine, and then all of a sudden, you just almost, like, age overnight. Yeah, like, he looks the age that they made him look in Logan. And Logan was only, what, three years ago? Yeah, but they aged him up. Yeah. Yeah. So... But that's a, that's a conversation for another episode. Yes. Yeah. So, until then... When we do a... uh, Yeah, our next one is going to be... The uh, Deep, Space Deep Space Nine one. And then um, I'm hoping we can do one on the 25th anniversary of the finale of Next Generation, which will be good to talk about Picard in that sense as well. Yep. Yeah. And we've got the motion picture anniversary. <laughs> At some point. So maybe maybe we'll do these things. Well, maybe the mo- we won't. I should say, the motion picture came out in December of 79, so we could always... Oh, we get time. We get time. We've Need the got, mid-season break. We've got time. Yeah. So... And as more Discovery news drops. But this is really the end for us. The official ending um, for now of our uh, Discovery um, content until the show. Until news of the next season begins to drop. So, yes. So this is thank our you. Discovery thank season. Thank you for now. for discovering us, yeah. so to speak, and following us on our voyage yep. in and this enterprise. In this, hmm. And we'll be back, uh, yeah, with full episodes of this, of Discovery, when Season 3 yeah. begins. Send so. us your thoughts on the still, season. Do you, still want people to, do you still want to know what people are doing? I want to know what people do when they listen, but no one will tell us. So tell me what you do. Well, he you said he's, shovel, he's shoveling, right? That's true. Yeah. So. That's true. So, uh, yeah, tell us what you're doing. Are you at the gym? Are you on the toilet? Are you in your cubicle? Are you hiking a mountain? What are you doing? Disco podcast at Twitter. And then... I guess we'll just do the email. And discovery we trust at gmail.com. Yes. I've not checked that email. I don't think I got We love emails. We love emails. So and thank you for your support, all of you that listen. We had a lot of downloads in the month of we should talk about that, right? In the month of May. Yeah. March, May. What We've was reached it? over ten thousand down total downloads. Downloads in a month, yeah. Yeah. Not we didn't get ten thousand downloads a month, but that's true. We had reached over a thousand or over ten thousand downloads in a month, yeah. We had over one thousand in one month though. Yeah. So thank you. It was, it was Sweeps Month. It was Sweeps Month. It was Sweeps Month. We pulled out the crossover. We did. With, we did. with uh, Perfect Strangers. Uh, oh. All right. See you pretty soon. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks.